Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, uh, last week, if you were here, you'll remember I preached on the subject of angels, the reality of angels. Very interesting. Uh, same day, after one of the services, one of our members came to me and said, I had an angel speak to me. And wow, tell me about it. And by the way, she gave me permission to tell this story and a username, but I'm not going to use her name. Um, just, I, I won't explain all that. But anyway, here, here's what she said. She said, um, someone in her extended family had really hurt the family. Done bad. And she was unhappy, hurt, mad, resentful. But anyway, one night she went to bed, had a, and, and, and while she slept, had a dream. And in her dream, she, the person, the person, family member uh, was on stage, like a, a speaker. And she was sitting in the um, auditorium, listening to them. And she said, in the dream, I could, she said, I could, it's remarkable, I could see my own face in the dream. And I was looking daggers at him, just so mad. And she said, and then I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I turned around in my seat, and there was an angel there. And he said to her, forgive him. She said, instantly, I felt this rush. I felt this release. I felt great. I turned around, and I'm looking at him again, still on the podium or whatever it was. And uh, she said, I can see my face, and it's, it's full of relief and love. Forgive him. Now, I don't know what you're thinking when you hear that. Um, you may be thinking, well, I hope an angel doesn't tell me that because uh, I've got uh, relatives too I'm not so crazy about. Or maybe it's uh, co-workers or maybe it's neighbors. And uh, you're thinking, you know, I, uh, I do not want to forgive them. So I hope no angel comes to me. Thing is, though, it's not just angels. that You know what angel means? Messenger. It's not just angels who bring that message. It's the word of God itself. We had in our gospel reading tonight, uh, verse 4 from the gospel reading. And if someone sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive them. This teaching is all over the Bible. Forgiveness must characterize, must characterize Christian believers. Now, Ed Fox, sitting right there, he told me permission to tell you this story. Um, and he told me that this week, he Ed said some time ago, some years ago, I can't remember how many years it was, Ed, but he said, um, I had, I don't, he said, I don't know what to call it, a born-again experience. And he was on his knees in prayer, kind of just surrendering his life to God and feeling his love and acceptance. And, uh, and Ed was moved to say to God, what do you want me to do? And he got answered. One word. Forgive. Ed, you told me that uh, you didn't know at the moment, at that moment, who, who am I supposed to forgive? But as he thought about it, oh, I do know, and did forgive him. Great blessing all around. What does it mean, forgive? The word, actually the word is in the Bible there is, it's taken from the realm of uh, finance and applied uh, elsewhere. It's, it's, it's taken from the, in the, in the context of a financial debt. You forgive a financial debt. It's taken that and applied to other things besides finances. Let me give an illustration. So supposing you ask to borrow my canoe. I have a canoe. Uh, you take my canoe and uh, you take it and you misuse my canoe. 
You misuse it. You sink it or something. And you tell me, uh, bad news, your canoe is now at the bottom of Lake Ronkonkoma. Well, if that were so, then you would be indebted to me to the tune of one canoe. Okay? Now, here's what happens next. Well, if you've been paid for the canoe, uh, that would be justice. You, you sank it, you, you paid for it. But if I said, no, no, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay. That would be forgiveness. It's a lot, you'll notice, like generosity. It's, it's being, um, in this case, the canoe, I'm being a generous because that canoe, actually, I bought it used for 400 bucks. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd, be, I'd be eating the 400 bucks. I'm being generous to you. And other things, though, it might not be a canoe. It might be other things, and, and you're going to be relationally generous. It's, it's not usually about sinking a canoe. Somehow the other person has robbed you of something else. They've robbed you somehow of happiness. They've done you dirt, they, and they have... You feel robbed of something you're, like something that makes you happy. And you're thinking that you're, you, you are indebted to me for the happiness you took from me. Okay? But forgiveness says, I'm not going to make you pay it back. I forgive you that debt. Okay? Now, you may be objecting as you hear this, uh, pleading a special case for yourself. You know? You don't know, Pastor, as you stand up there in your white gown, how much the person I have in mind took from me. How bad it was what they did to me. How much it hurts to this day. You don't know. It's different for me. You are saying. In verse 4, chapter 17, verse 4 of our reading, Jesus says, if someone sins against you seven times in the day, you must, you must forgive them. Seven times. And, and then ask for forgiveness seven times. You must forgive them. You know, that situation went off the bat. What? They would, the same, they would sin against you seven times in one day? What kind of a situation is this? When does this ever happen? Um, actually, what Jesus is talking about here uh, is not... There's some number symbolism going on here. Number symbolism is a thing that was a part of the culture that Jesus lived in, and uh, he's using it here. The number seven is a number meaning of completeness. A num- we even use it this way in our culture, maybe not quite the same extent, but we do. It's a number of, uh, lucky number seven, right? It's a number of completeness. It's a number of perfection. It means no more is possible. Seven rep completes the thing. So if a person would wrong you seven times, it's saying a, a person, Jesus is saying, if a person would wrong you as completely as a person could wrong you, You must forgive. No wonder the apostles, understanding that, cry out, increase our faith. (laughs) Who can do this? It seems a superhuman standard. But what do do people say today? Um, You know, I know perfectly well that there are people in our congregation who say, this is too much, and I ain't doing this. Because I have every right to be really ticked and hurt and unforgiving toward the person, this person or that person. Others, others though, this is a little more common, uh, would deny that they're unforgiving. I don't have unforgiveness, they would say. You seem like you do. I don't. I, 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 I do not have unforgiveness. Well, are you resentful towards them? Oh, yeah, I've got some resentment. Well, it's the same thing. Unforgiveness, resentment, holding a grudge, the same thing, okay? Someone has done you wrong. 
has robbed you somehow, in some way, of happiness. That's how I'm generalizing it. And you now, in some way, regard them. They are in debt to you, and they're not paying. They owe you for what they did. And you're not being paid, and you are more than a little ticked. You are holding a grudge. You are resentful. If you're the person who has been sinned against, you know what Jesus says to you in this text here? You're the one that sinned against, and he says to you, watch out. Pay attention to yourself. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Shouldn't it be the person who did the sin that has to watch out? And Jesus says, no, if you've been sinned against, someone wrongs you, you watch yourself. Watch yourself. That's not what we would expect, but he does say it. Why does he say it there? In verse, was that verse three? Verse three, pay attention to yourselves. Why does he say that? Because we're, when we're wronged against, we're in danger of unforgiveness. We're in danger of resentment. We're in danger of holding a grudge. And what will that do? It will twist us. It will poison us. It will wreck us inside. It will. You've heard of the Russian author Leo Tolstoy, perhaps? He wrote War and Peace, Anna Karenina, Master and Man. I had to study him in college. Um, he, he, he married, in his 30s, he married a, a gal about nine, ten years younger than him, a Sophia. Although Russian names, I never understood Russian names. They seem to have two or three names, everybody. She, her name's Sophia, but she also gets called Sonia. I'm not quite sure how it works. Anyway, Sophia, Sonia. Uh, and on the eve of their marriage, uh, Leo Tolstoy said, okay, full disclosure, I'm giving you my diary to read so you can know who, I, who you're getting into here. And Sonia reads the diary. And she reads about Leo's relationships with other women. And she's, wow, this is not good. But anyway, they get, they get, they get married. And some of these women were still in their sphere of influence. She knew who they were. 50 years later, 50 years later, this, this Sonia kept a diary herself. Uh, her, her husband had been dead for a few years. And, uh, and, she, and she, she's writing in her diary. And we have these diaries published in English in the 1980s. And she, 50 years later, is bitter and unhappy at Leo, who's been dead all this. Bitter all these years, just seething and twisted with bitterness. It's a bad play to hold on to resentment. In fact, Hebrews 12, verse 15, warns, uh, uh, let no root of bitterness grow up within you. It will defile you, are the words in Hebrews 12, 15. Watch out, Jesus says. You'll be unable to trust people if you, if you continue like this. You'll be afraid and unable. You'll be angry and untrusting, twisted, poisoned. So if someone has wronged you, Jesus says, woo, 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 high alert, high alert. Don't let this thing take its normal course. Do something. You're good. Get into forgiveness. Therefore, because of the enormity of the danger that bitterness uh, poses, we cannot shrink from the enormity of the challenge. We must forgive. How do we do it? Now I'm talking about how do we do it. I'm going to give two points. How do we do it? You know... <laughs> We tend, in our culture, to focus on, how how, on our feelings. Somehow we're going to muster up the feelings to do it. We, we, we live in a very psychologized culture, and everything's about feelings. But the Bible uh, has other, um, 
another way to do this. The Bible says that forgiveness is going to be practiced before it's keenly felt. You put it into practice, the feelings will come along later, okay? So let's talk about practicing. What is the, how do we practice forgiveness? The first thing is this, to refuse to caricature the wrongdoer. That, we do that. The moment they've sinned against us, if, 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 if they've lied, we say, they're a liar. They're just a lying person. And we reduce their whole personality to this one thing, they lie. It's, it's never that simple, okay? It's, instead of doing that, identify with them. And the, Christ is talking about when, if, a, if your brother sins against you. Call them brother. Identify them with sister. We're in the same family here. Say, well, they're not even Christians. Okay, well, they, you're the, we're humans here. We have a common humanity. Identify with them. We are humans together. Life is complex, and we are both sinners. It's not just them who've sinned. I sin too. Identify with them. Seek to not forgive. You actually have to be feeling a little bit superior to keep that up. And we feel superior by tending to reduce the other person to a character, to just their sin. We make a cartoon villain out of them. They're just a devious liar. Well, what about the lie that you told? Oh, well, my life is quite complicated. Yeah, well, so is theirs, okay? Don't reduce them to a caricature. The second practice in forgiveness, they've wronged you. They've robbed you of some kind of happiness. They owe you emotionally or in some way. They owe you. Inwardly, surrender your right to be repaid. You say, I have a right to be repaid. Surrender that right. And pay the debt yourself. Back to the canoe illustration. Okay? You know, the cost of that lost canoe. Uh, the, the, canoe the cost of the lost canoe doesn't just vanish somewhere in the ether over Ronkonkoma. Okay? Uh, you put my canoe at the bottom of the lake, I say either... I will pay for it, or you are going to eat the cost of that canoe and pay me back. It's one or the other, okay? Either I'm going to pay for it, or you're going to pay for it. The, the debt does not just go away by itself. It goes when it's paid. Someone's going to pay. To forgive, then, means inwardly you forgo, seeking them to pay you. And you pay it. You pay it. Now, if they've displeased me, they've robbed me of happiness. You say, ah, what do you mean? How, how, would I, how would I even make them pay? Oh, you know this. How do I make someone who's paid, who's done me dirt? I could try directly hurting them with words. I could attack them verbally. Pow, pow, pow. Insult them. Put them down. Or how about indirectly? I gossip about them. I gossip about them. That's hurting them. Or sort of secretly, I root against them. I root against them. I hear something happen and, and, and some, some bad luck, some, something bad in their life, and inwardly I'm going, yes. <laughs> You're rooting against them, okay? And you feel good as you do any of those things because you feel like the debt owed to you is being repaid. Watch out because your soul is being twisted. A root of bitterness is growing up. This cannot and, well, it's already bad. It's going to get worse. Understand then, if you really forgive generously, if you forgive, it hurts. We're, always, we're so into feelings. We think, I want to feel good. No, no, if you forgive, it's, it's going to be painful to do that. It hurts you to forgive. They've made you unhappy. They've done you wrong. And now 
you are going to eat the unhappiness and bless them. Wow. As somebody said, wood, nails, and pain are the currency of forgiveness. Why would we choose that? Because in the long run, it brings freedom, real freedom. Sonia Tolstoy could have had a very different 50 years if she would have eaten the pain herself at the beginning. You say, well, wait a minute, doesn't this passage that we read tonight, doesn't this passage talk about the person, the other person, the person who's wronged you, about them repenting? It does talk about that. However, in other passages, because Jesus teaches a lot on forgiveness here and other places. In other passages, when Jesus teaches on forgiveness, he doesn't mention, he does not mention the other person repenting. Here he does, other places he doesn't. How do you put all that together? We should speak to the other person. If they've done, if we're, if they've done us, we're mad, they've done wrong, we should speak to them and try to get them to change their thinking on this, to change their attitude. We should try and do, and do that. And that may or may not go well. If they repent, everything becomes quite a bit easier. But if they don't repent, Jesus makes it clear in other passages, you still need to forgive. You let them off the hook. You might not be trusting them the same way, but you need to forgive, Okay. Okay, so how do you forgive those? Two points there. Identify them with as a wrongdoer. Don't caricature them. And forgo your right to be repaid and just eat it yourself. And it's going to hurt. You say, Pastor, even though you've explained why and how to forgive here, it still sounds like a superhuman standard. Where does a person get the power to do this? I'm with the apostles in verse 5. Increase our faith, because who can do this? Yeah, it is super hard. In fact, Jesus himself compares the difficulty of getting unforgiveness out of your heart to the difficulty of uprooting a tree. Now, have you ever uprooted a tree? I don't think I have. I remember getting the the yew bushes, you know, the the person next door, they used to have these big yew bushes. Carol didn't like them. What Carol doesn't like goes, okay? So, uh... (laughs) And, and uh, 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 well, it was amazingly difficult. I'm hacking away with an axe. I'm in this hole chopping away. I couldn't believe how hard it was. My dad and his brother, uh, when they were teenagers, would have a job on my, their Uncle Emil, my great Uncle Emil's farm, um, pulling out stumps, mostly from poplar trees, uh, for, uh, and clearing, just clearing more, more land to, to farm. Um, they had a, Uncle Himmel gave them a, a horse with some kind of a rig to hook up to these stumps, and they'd pull these stumps out. And there's, they got this story that I heard um, how Uncle Himmel got all mad at them because um, there was one stump that wouldn't move at all, so they put two horses on the thing and then broke the whole rig and the whole bed. Uncle Himmel said, I told you not to do this. Okay, it's hard to pull stumps out. It's really tough. So, is there some secret way to uproot a tree? Or really what we're talking about Is there some power available to root out the unforgiveness which comes so easily and gets so embedded there, bitter root? Yeah, there is a power. Faith. Faith. And it does not have to be a huge, strong faith like nobody you ever 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 saw has. No. Jesus says, faith the size of a seed. He says mustard seed, which is proverbially the smallest of seeds. Faith the size of a seed will be enough. It'll do as long 
as it's faith in Jesus. That's the power. Do you, do you have a circuit breaker at your house or do you still have fuses? Let's say you have fuses. Little fuse. Little, little fuse. Into a huge power supply. Okay? But faith is like little, little faith, little seed. Doesn't matter how big it is. It plugs into Jesus and he does it. He works it. Jesus is saying if you have even a smidgen of a realization of what I've done for you, if you have an ounce of understanding that you are a sinner yet saved by grace, if you understand and think about the gospel at all, you'll be able to forgive. What is it that Jesus did that we believe in? Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died, paid with his life for what you and I have done wrong. You'll never be long-suffering until you see him going to the cross to suffer for you. You won't forgive the comparatively tiny debts owed you until you see him forgiving your great debt. You'll never get out of the judge's seat until you see the judge of all get out of his seat and go to the cross and pay for you. He became judged for you. Just, just a grain of this will be enough. Any glimpse of what Christ has done applied to your own heart will give you power to forgive others. Trees will be uprooted. The field will be sown with freedom and love. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus for life everlasting. Amen.